Seattle Sports Snapshot. Well, McCole Hardman might be in a little bit of hot water with his comments about uh, having the Chiefs coming coming to get him. Uh, the, the GM of the New York Jets, none too pleased with that. Joe Douglas saying, I'll just say those comments definitely resonated with us. Uh, unclear if the Jets will pursue tampering charges against the Chiefs. An NFL spokesman in an email to ESPN declined to comment on whether the Jets have asked the league to check into the matter. But uh, Hardman getting himself into a little bit of hot water. Meanwhile, the Kraken look to get back to it tonight. They host the uh, Penguins, 7 o'clock puck drop. You can catch that all tonight again, 7 o'clock. Snapshot brought to you by Miller Lite. When it's game time, it's Miller time. This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. I hope everybody's having a great day out there. We've got a big show coming your way in a matter of moments. We will catch up with... Seahawks president of football operations and general manager John Schneider. He's out there at the Combine in Indianapolis, so he will be joining us on the phone as soon as he uh, is ready to go. We will we will toss to that. So looking forward to catching up with John, see what he's seen so far. Drills just started today, so I don't know if uh, – I, I guess he'd probably tell us who they're going to draft. We can go ahead and ask him. Uh, so we'll, we'll get that yeah, question absolutely. out of the way. Like, Who, who do you like at 16? You going to trade up? You going to trade back? What do you think? I'm pretty sure he has a canned answer for that. That uh, when he's asked that, because I'm sure that like at parties and things like that, you know, yeah. people are like, "So, what do you think? What do you think, John?" So, yeah, it's a it's a big secret. And they, as we've talked about a number of times with Dave Pearson and the way he runs things, and you know, it's just uh, they're on lockdown. We're not going to find out anything. So, please don't text in. <laughs> Wait, well, now that you said that, they will. 866-979-3776. That's the uh, Mac and Jack's text line. But please don't text in and say, you idiots, why didn't you ask him who they're going to draft? <laughs> why didn't you ask him if they're going to trade up? They're going to trade out of it. Uh, yeah, we'll all find out together. More, I, I just keep combing through all these mock drafts. I just, I, I don't know why I like this stuff. I just, I like oh, everybody's cool. different perspective on what they may do. But, uh, well, let's, uh, let's talk to the man himself right now. Hello? The John Schneider Show on Wyman and Bob every Thursday until draft day with Seahawks president of football operations, John Schneider. All right, we had to make it official. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is the GM, John Schneider. How are you, man? Hey, guys. How are we doing? We're doing great. How are, more importantly, how are you doing? How's everything out there? Everything is good. I almost forgot. I <laughs> literally was reminded, hey, you got to call in. So I'm glad it happened. I guess you have other things on your mind. Is that right? <laughs> it's all good. We literally just got out of a meeting here that uh, we were talking about some history we had with this agency. So it was, it was pretty cool. So what? What? Take us through the to the process there. When you when you show up, what's the what's the game plan? Do you guys have a a, a checklist? All right, we got to do this. We got to go here. We got to talk to these people. We got to start looking at film. We got to set up our interview questions. What's the what's what's the process once you guys land? Oh, several different facets to it. You know, there's, uh, you know, we have a we have a group that's you know meeting with all you know our agents like you know for our uh, our own eight you know our all the guys that are unrestricted uh, meeting with other teams. The first two days I'm here is like a lot of 
NFL stuff, you know, uh, competition committee stuff, uh, general manager. We have a general manager committee, um, the CEC working group. I'm, I'm on that with, um, uh, you know, John Lynch. Uh, you know, you guys know John, a couple, couple guys that are, are GMs. We're on that one as well. So the first two days, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of league stuff going on. And then, uh, yeah, meeting with agents, you know, we have our, you know, all a lot of the college guys doing the formal interviews and then we have informal interviews as well. So the interviews that are, that are in the room, you know, we, we film those interviews. So, uh, the guys do the, the various scouts do a great job of setting up, you know, the priority of questions that we want to get answered, you know, based on, on what we know about the players so far. And, uh, yep. And then, you know, we'll, uh, the workouts just started this afternoon. So, so now we're getting now we're now we're getting into the portion where it's like okay, you know I'm still meeting with other clubs, you know talking about possible trades that sort of thing, um, as well as several guys on our staff, and then um, yeah, spending time, uh, you know actually watching the workouts here. Yeah, I was going to say, what percentage of of time are you are you spending doing that? Because it sounds like more than anything, you're you're talking to people, you're you're talking about. Uh, you know, trades and, you know, to the agents and things like that. I mean, what, what percentage of time do you spend actually watching the workouts? Well, luckily Dave, they're, they're, they're towards the end of the week here. So now, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, we're through like the majority of our uh, agent visits and, and, and meetings. So now we'll be able to focus more on um, really starting tomorrow, uh, getting over to the, to the dome and, uh, you know, being able to, we have a bunch of guys over there right now, obviously it's just, you know, myself meeting with specific, uh, uh, agencies. And, and so just, you know, really tomorrow getting over there and, and, and be able to spend quality time studying, you know, studying the workouts. And, and, uh, again, when you're over there, you're talking to a, a number of different clubs because, you know, all these, all the suites are kind of like in line right next to each other. So we go, you know, from suite to suite, stealing each other's food and stuff. So yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Plus you're out there doing TV interviews and things I see, right? Well, that day, yeah, that was Tuesday. That was a gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. So we got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like you're, you're, you know, obviously with the change and in, in you're, you're the, you're the man now, those, the sole focus here, at least for this season is, is, is this uh media crush decidedly different than it's been in the past? I mean, the requests and, and the number of opportunities to, to speak on the Seahawks, has that grown exponentially? No, no, not really. It's just, you know, it's our, you know, it's our true partnership, Mike and I, and, and, uh, you know, coming down here with, with, you know, that the, the, the media stuff that I did, you know, Mike stayed back with his staff now and getting, getting stuff in place. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, thankfully he didn't have to have the media barrage uh, that goes on those, those those first two days. But uh, yeah, no, they're they're back in in Seattle. Uh, you know, working on offense, defense, special teams. All those, those guys are kind of getting to know each other and and uh, you know getting their systems in place. So uh, yeah, it's just not just Mike not being down here. There's actually a number of head coaches that are not showing up anymore and and, and coaching staff because I think everybody does a really good job of you know. Again, we've talked about this in the past, you know, all the stuff we learned during COVID. So all the Zoom calls and all the, you know, the, all the information you can get on, you know, on video with, with the coaching staff to get them caught up at a, at a little bit of later date. 
Hey, John, as far as uh, you're trying to find out these guys' character, I, I got to imagine that, that that ranks really high. You know, when you're when you're doing these interviews, what are what are some of the the things that that you're looking for as far as answers out of these guys? I mean, I, I think you probably you want to know: Do they really, really love football? Right? I mean, that's that's probably number one. But you know, what are what are some of those those things that you're trying to reveal from these players, and and what kind of questions are are revealing these uh, these players? Yeah, great question, Dave. I mean, it depends on the player. What we've what we've learned, you know, through the fall and then through the All Star process. And then the players that we haven't been able to, you know, spend individual time with. So, you know, like I said, the area scouts do a really good job of setting up, you know, specific questions that we want to get answered to figure out what our next questions are going to be in the, in the process. And next time we're able to spend time with them. And uh, so, yeah, it's really obviously, you know, you know, the obvious ones are, you know, do you love ball? What does it mean to you? You know, uh, what would you do if you didn't have, you know what I mean? What would you do if you didn't have football in your life? And, uh-huh. you know, what about, you know, your support system and you know who's going to come with you you know and help you make that transition to seattle and uh you know what do you how do you learn you know what do you, what, you know show us some football knowledge here and and so yeah there's just a lot of different a lot of different questions you know the character part you know some guys you know i'm i'm sure this wasn't wasn't you dave coming out but you know you had zero character issues so you know probably wasn't a lot of interviews probably a slam dunk for you no, those came up later in his career. But, but uh, <laughs> uh, John, as far as uh, you, you brought up, you know, obviously Coach McDonald is not there, but he's not alone. Kyle Shanahan's not there. McVeigh's not there. Uh, McCarthy's not. There. I mean, there's a number of coaches that aren't there. Is this? Do you see this being kind of a shift in the in the way this will be approached moving forward, or is this kind of an anomaly yeah. this year? What do you, What do you think? No, I do. I think it's, you know, the week is so long and it's, it's, it's spread out now. There's a lot to do down here. So, you know, unless teams, staffs are here, you know, like Chicago, you can drive down you know, it's a pretty easy trip from Chicago and have your staff here and in the downtime, maybe meet in the ballroom, get together, and you know, work on some, you know, installing your, your systems and everything and get your programs in place. But yeah, I think, you know, people are really, you know, again, just, relying more on the the, the uh the personnel side of it and, and you know gaining as much information as we can from the week and then kind of regrouping uh with the coaching staffs and and uh you know getting aligned and caught up and and, and what the landscape's going to look like you know throughout the throughout the off season hey john we we were talking about um a guy like mike mamula uh, you probably remember him. He was uh, he was kind yeah, of like a Boston College, yeah, a workout warrior, and you know he got maybe drafted a little bit higher. I was telling the story, John. There was a guy named Rick Graff, who was a Wisconsin linebacker, and yeah. he ran yeah. like a really good forty, and he ended up getting drafted in the second round. And he was even saying, you know, he was talking to all of his linebackers. He's like, yeah, man, I didn't think I was going to go this high. They're telling me I'm going to be, you know, much higher because of the forty I ran, and you know, and I, I guess teams used to fall for that but that's that's pretty i mean i guess you can get somewhat enamored with with a player but i mean sure. it, but it's got to be it's got to be fairly low on the list right as far as what you're, yeah, what I mean, you're looking it, at it, it, what it really does is it tells you about about the the work ethic and the character of the, of the individual like you know if the guy comes in here and he's not in shape and you know, is not doesn't have a good workout. I mean, that 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 tells you something, right? And then, obviously, the guys that you 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 know you expect to to run well or shuttle well or catch the ball well, throw the ball, whatever. I mean, those are those are really like you know, um, 
the standards that you're, you're, you're looking for. And did they, did they uphold their own standards and what our standards will be? So like the workout warrior stuff for us is really more of a, you know, kind of a stamp of approval. Like, you know, Hey, the guy, yeah, we expected that guy to work out like that. And, or we better go back and study more film, uh, you know, and, and, and try to figure out, you know, did we miss something if the guy, you know, say the guy doesn't play like a four, four player on the field, and he, you know, he, he comes down here, runs, runs well, and then, okay, let's go back and, and, and look at the film and see, see what we're missing. How often do you ever, if ever, do you have your mind changed by what you see there? Like, do you go in, say you're looking at it, I'm just throwing out a position, a linebacker. You got your eye on this linebacker, and then you see him work out, and maybe he doesn't dazzle, and you, and you turn away from that player at some point. Has that ever happened where you, you were sort of set on somebody, you saw him at the combine, in either in a good way or a bad way, they changed your mind about them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very humbling business. You know, you, you can go out and you know study a player and in, in in the fall, and then go through the all star process, and then go through your your pre combine meetings, and then you know have a you know a sense of how you feel about you know the player's abilities, and then all of a sudden the guy goes out and you know looks really good or can look you know not as good as you thought. So you're like, okay. <laughs> let's get back to basics here and let's let's start the process over and, and really dive into this player. Hey, John, how much of a sort of a boost or a premium is it for, you know, I always bring bring up uh, B. John Robinson last year. Like he, he went to the combine and then he had a pro day like the next week and like he's just all in. He was going to do everything, you know, and we've talked about guys skipping the, the senior bowl. And I, I would always say, you know, if I was if I was coaching a kid up who's going into the NFL, just just be in for everything. You know, whatever they want you to do, man, you do it and do it eagerly. Is that is that something that, you know, gives you a little bit of boost? I mean, that's that's kind of one of those things that indicates that the guy really loves football. Yeah, absolutely. Guys that are going to, I think more than that, they play in the all-star games is, you know, do they play in their bowl games? I think that, that that's really important as well. Those guys that are, you know, we can watch these interviews and the guy's like, yeah, I wasn't going to not be there for my teammates. But yeah. you can't necessarily hold it against the player either that, you know, may have been banged up during the season. And it's like, man, I don't know if I, you know, should, should gut, gut it out in this game or, you know, maybe it was, you know, banged up later in the season and should I play in the senior bowl or should I really go to this all-star game? Or, you know, I, I don't think, I don't, yes, you always want the guys that are all in no matter what, but you can't necessarily, you know, it's all an individual basis. And so, you know, uh, you know, Harrison, the, the wide receiver from Ohio State, I, I'm not sure he's even going to work out at his pro day, I guess. Somebody was telling me today. So, you know, he, he's comfortable in the, the product that he's put on film and he's confident in his abilities. And that's how he's going to, that's how he's going to handle the process. Everybody handles the, the, their process is totally different. And, um, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to evaluate each, each, uh, each each player on an individual basis. We can't just like lump them in these, um, you know, just one big bin. John, when does the phone start blowing up in in terms of a team that's looking to move up to where you are, or maybe thinking you want to trade out of that spot to move down, or just the the wheeling and dealing, so to speak, when you start getting a feel for you know the the level of interest from other teams in moving. Is that already started, or does that is it closer to draft time? When when does that kick in? Great question. We experienced that last year, you know, picking in the top 10, you know, it's really, you know, that, that high, you know, where we picked, there was more conversation down here 
at, you know, at the, at, at the combine about, Hey, you know, if you're looking to get out of that spot, we're at, da, 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 we're at 12, we're at nine, we're at eight, whatever. There, there's a lot more of those conversations. So, um, you know, a little bit, you know, picking a little bit later uh, or right in the middle for us this year, there's less of that. That really picks up probably that last week before uh, the last week of preparation when, when people f- are feeling really good about their boards and confident and, and, and uh, you know, what certain positions the depth looks like at certain positions. Hey, John, uh, I know that you and uh, John Lynch are, are tight, but as far as the, the other 31 GMs, you know what? Do you know pretty much everybody pretty intimately, or is it is it like some guys you you know? And and if you're at the combine, there's a new guy or whatever. You do you make a point to go over and and sort of build relationships and things like that with the other GMs? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a really good point. You know, there's 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 certain guys that I just don't <clears throat> know very well. I'm not going to mention my age, but you know, I was talking. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday. We were like, "Yeah, I mean, wow, it was just that." Seems like yesterday we were all working for the Packers down here, but you know, it's it's uh, the combine's changed and the game keeps moving. And you know, there's there's guys that are you know young thirties, mid thirties that you know that I need to just get to know better. And so that's that's just you know like either walking into their suite or you know, when, when people are working out or grabbing a cup of coffee with them or, you know, having a beer late at night or something after the interviews and all that. So just getting to know, just getting to know people and, and, uh, continue our relationships. But I have to say our staff does a great, great job of, you know, our, our, you know, on the pro side and the college side of, of working all their relationships. We don't ever want to feel like we're, we don't know what's going on, whether it's, you know, from the draft prep or free agency or trades or, Anything, anything that's shaken in, 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 in the NFL, I, I'm just always really proud of our staff that everybody has their, their fingers and everything. You know, every year, John, we hear about, you know, this draft is a, is a great quarterback draft or it's a great running back draft or it's a week one for linebackers or it's a week one for this whatever position. What is, what's your assessment of this year's draft? Is there is there a position group you feel is really deep and maybe another one that you feel is like uh, it doesn't appear to be that deep? I I've always tried to stay away from that. Just over the years, it's like the the, uh, the temptation of saying this this group looks strong, that that group doesn't look strong, and then maybe adjusting free agency off of that. I think it's really important for us to make sure we have all the, you know, like the psychological testing, the physical testing, all the medical stuff, medical grades, all that stuff out of the way before you can say, okay, yes, this definitely is a is a is a draft that looks strong at offensive line, for instance, just because he has you know, a certain amount of, of, of names up there. And, and numbers at a position that doesn't mean that you know by the time it's all said and done you might have to move guys down for medical reasons or uh you know maybe the coaches weren't pleased with you know some of the football intelligence or the conversations they've had uh throughout the process and and so you know this 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 uh this this draft does have when, when you're asking a specific question or i was asked a specific question the other day about the quarterback position you know, we tried to, it's not like we haven't tried to draft quarterbacks. We've just ended up drafting two over the last whatever, 15 years. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the quarterback position does look like just from a, and it, it, it's always a different position because of the medical grades. Those medical grades pretty much stay the same uh, with the quarterbacks. And so this, this, this group looks pretty good. I think it's, I think it'd be fun to watch these guys throw the ball down here. Hey, John, you mentioned the, the medical stuff a couple of times. Um, you know, I've shared the story that I had a 
dislocated knee in college. So there were teams that were just not going to draft me no matter what. Um, and, you know, is that – how strict are you guys? Is is every team, like, totally different as far as what they'll allow? And I know that uh, there was a guy, Ty J. Spears, last last year that a lot of people weren't going to yeah. touch right. because of knees right. and stuff like that. Are you guys – got to be pretty strict about that, I would imagine. Yeah, every, every team has their, their own medical standards and, and their own grades, you know, based and, – and, and, and we share some of those grades, you know um, – Based on our relationships with the, with the doctors, with with, with other teams, uh, so every every you know every every team has like you know their their different standards and everything. So uh, you just have to be you just have to be careful through the process and make sure that you're, you're making the right decisions. Um, sometimes that happens with a guy like Spears, but you have to remember that the only reason we're here at the Indy Combine is because you know the New York Jets drafted Wesley Walker. A number of years ago, and, and found out when he got there that he, you know, he was blind in one eye, and so that's why everybody came together, the, the you know, a number of teams, and said, "Hey, we got to get together and share medical information, and you know, figure out, like, get our hands on these guys and figure out, uh, you know, what, you know, what our what our standards are going to be." So, yeah, that's that's the reason why the combine started. Hey, John, you brought up the quarterbacks that are there this year. I remember last year you guys were posting all those pictures of you with every every top quarterback. You guys had conversations. You'd post a picture and throw it out there, and everybody it caused everybody to speculate. Are the Seahawks going after Anthony Richardson? They're going after this guy, that guy. What what's uh, last year? It made sense because you're picking number five. This year you're at sixteen. Yet you're still talking to some of the quarterbacks that are considered top ten, maybe even top five. Is that a just-in-case kind of conversation? Like, all right, for some reason this kid falls to 16, we want to have all yeah. our ducks in a row with him? Or what What would be the point of talking to somebody expected to go in the top five? We have to be ready for anything. You know, we don't know, you know, if there a certain trade will go down or if something happens. I mean, you've seen, you guys have seen players fall in the past, and you've seen teams be able to jump up and, you know, have successful trades moving up into the top 10 to grab guys. And yeah, so you just have to be prepared for everything and, and, and not just rule players out like, Hey, you know, we're not, we're never going to be able to draft that guy. Now there's a couple of players in here. We're kind of like, okay, well, we're probably not going to have a shot at that guy, but we do study him. We do talk to him. We do, you know, get to know him as much as we possibly can without, you know, going over the top with it. But we, you, you have to figure, you have to, you know, know, you have to know every player as much as you possibly can and not, not taking shortcuts. Hey, John, are, are players pretty much the same? I mean, I, I think the, the biggest difference is, you know, the players coming out of college now have NIL money and, you know, pretty good amount of money, you know, and typically, yeah. t- you know, through the years, I mean, you come out of college, you're broke, you have to get together with two buddies to buy a pizza. And now you have, you know, these kids with millions of dollars. And it, have you seen some of the maybe some changes in as far as like the personality of your, your average football player or have they changed? How much have they changed? Yeah, it's, it's changed. It definitely has the we, right before we got on this call, we were just talking about it. What you're talking about with, with the agency that's been doing this a long time and they've, they've noticed it already. You know, they'll, they'll have a guy that they're doing NIL stuff with. And then, you know, all of a sudden they just, go with a different agency, right? Because they got more money, you know, from a different agency. And so they experience, you know, some of the same things that we do. What, what we, we, we found is, you know, the, you have to be careful. And again, our scouts do a great job of asking those specific questions 
you know, at the, at the schools, at the school call, relationships with the coaches. You know, you just be careful of the guys that, you know, you know, can't handle money or are constantly threatening, you know, to, transfer, to jump into the transfer portal because, you know, they're not happy with their play time or whatever. So well, that's a new – these are new areas that we're just getting into the last couple of years here. So, you know, understanding that, studying that, being open-minded to uh, – you know, understanding what what that balance is like. Okay, what's what's the family situation? What's this guy's? But what's the what's what's his mindset? You know, when uh, you know he receives a lot of money, or he's trying, you know, he's transferred, you know, sixteen times, or what have you. You just have to be careful and and study everybody individually. John, as always, great stuff. We appreciate you, my friend. Have fun out there, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in person next week. Yeah, I know. I like it much better in person. By the way, it's, it's just way more personable. It's just. Yeah. I like seeing you guys eye to eye. We appreciate do too, it, man. John. We appreciate it, yeah. man. Have fun out there. Oh, I appreciate you guys. All right. Take care, you guys. There you go. There's John Schneider, president of football operations and general manager of your Seattle Seahawks. A lot to break down from what we just heard from John. We'll give our thoughts on what stood out coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Our thanks to John Schneider, who joined us to open the show. In case you guys are just tuning in, he joined us live from the Combine out there in Indianapolis. Great to catch up with him. And I agree with him. It's much better in person to yeah. talk to him. Yeah. You know, look somebody in the eye when you're speaking with him. But but uh, good stuff out of him, and we'll get to some of what he had to say. But right now, let's take two. A couple of relievers made their spring training debuts for the Mariners, including Andres Munoz, who struck out two in his one inning of work, and one of those strikeouts hit uh, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, how about uh, Munoz? I mean, it's so it's such a bummer. We'll talk more about Matt Brash, but I think Munoz, does he, I don't remember him being a guy that you have to shut down a lot. I'm trying to remember if well, he's he had, had the ankle injuries. He's had, he wasn't completely healthy last year. And, yeah. and by all accounts, he's feeling very good. I think he had a shoulder thing. He's he's had a couple of things he's had to deal yeah. with. But by all accounts, he's he's at 100% and feeling great. What a big, powerful dude. Yeah. He, he really is just, I mean, and it's such a shame with Brash because he's, like you said yesterday, I mean, he can hit in the, the mid-90s. I mean, oh, he's up he can hit triple digits. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't do it as often, as, often as Munoz, but he's he can he can rest comfortably around ninety seven. Yeah, and just entirely wipe out slider, and then you bring Munoz in, and yeah, it's uh, it's those two guys I think are the most important, and uh, you know we'll we'll find out more about Brash, but that's uh, pretty awesome to hear Munoz. He's just a big, powerful dude. Yeah, yeah. You well, especially now. And we'll again we'll find out tomorrow about Brash, but. You really that just puts that much more emphasis on everybody else that's there, right? If he's going to be out for a length of time, hopefully it's not for the season. Hopefully it'll be better news than than we're we're anticipating. So, uh, but yeah, puts that much more on the rest of these guys. Well, the Kraken in the middle of a stretch with uh, eleven of thirteen games at home. They host the Penguins tonight. Now Seattle, they're kind of far back though uh, in the wild card standings, still seven points back because the Predators have won six in a row. Yeah, I saw Grubauer uh, had, had shot him down in the in the uh, the shootout, and Pastor is it Pasternak? Is that how you say his name? Anyway, had had three goals, had a, the hat trick, and then Grubauer 
denied him in uh, the shootout attempts. Kind of interesting. That's Grooby, Dave. Grooby. Okay, we'll call him that. Uh, you know, it was kind of interesting listening to him talk about how, you know, he has so many tricks in his bag and you just don't really expect uh, him to do the same thing twice, but shut him down and, uh, yeah, nice nice performance there. Good win. It'd be huge if they could make the playoffs. <laughs> be huge because this, this season has been sort of underwhelming. Right. I think there was a lot of it's kind of like the Mariners season when they, you know, obviously not dealing with the same history of uh, failure. But, you know, you, you were really high on this team coming coming out of the out of last season, getting to the playoffs and winning a winning a series in the playoffs. And then it just feels like uh, it's been kind of kind of lackluster. You know, they would they'll go on a nice stretch and then it's followed by a bad stretch. And then it's it's been pretty uneven. Been so, a little streaky. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they'll be able to piece it together before uh, they run out of games. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. So we did have John Schneider to open the show. A little different time. He's out there in Indianapolis at the Combine and and uh I don't know. It's it's interesting to get his perspective, but one thing that stood out is when we asked him about just coaches not being there, and it's not just Coach McDonald. It's, it's as we talked about. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's Sean McVay. It's Mike McCarthy. It's I mean, there's a number of coaches who just aren't going, and asking him if he thinks that's an anomaly or is this kind of a shift in the way things are gonna gonna go moving forward. And he sounded like he feels like this could be how it, how it goes which I find interesting. I would think if you're a head coach and you're settled in, you already have your staff for the most part, and it's just another season, you, you'd you want to be there, right? Yeah, I think you'd want to be there, but I think also, you know, you there's, I think, a little bit of a, a conflict in the NFL between, and every organization is different, but it's like, how do you value your scouts and your, you know, your talent evaluators? Do you trust them? Mm-hmm. Or do some of the, the coaches, they want to go and see, you know, I want to see it with my own eyes and I want to see what this guy can, can do and, you know, give my evaluation. And I think, I think you know, now that it's a, a GM run team, it, it sounds like, that might be something that that they do the rest of the way because that's really their job. It's not really the coach's jobs, right? I mean, you want those guys to be there and and be, you know, get way in, and you respect their opinion and whether or not they can play and things like that. But um, but ultimately, that's not really their job. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, they're going to give in input and and things like that. But I, I'm curious about the, you know, the Zoom call and how effective that can be because you do see little ticks. You know, from people and how they respond to things, and maybe that's something that you can't pick up when you're not there. I don't know. What, do they have a couple of different camera angles? What John said was that they do a really good job of setting it up for you know the, those kinds of things and those interviews. So that part of it, you know, I'll be curious to see if that that if that really changes. You know, if yeah. that, it's a it's a new way of evaluating players and coaches just stop going. Well, what about players just not working out? I mean, they're skipping the combine and saving it for your pro day for the upper echelon guys, the top 10, top five. Yeah. We've gotten used to that. Like, all right, yeah, they're going to go there, get measured, weighed, all that, but they're going to do all the throwing or running or whatever position they're playing on their personal workout, their pro day. Now yeah. you're seeing guys with Marvin Harrison who – not not even showing up for the measurements or the weights and may not have a pro day may not like no my my tape is there for you yeah that's an that's an interesting approach if he if that's in fact how it plays out well i think there's probably 10 guys that can do that right if you're a gm would you be going uh, I yeah i don't love that uh, this guy feels entitled or how would you view that well, 
I would view it as a negative. Now, I'm very old school, so, you know, obviously how how these kids are now, I mean, I'm not entirely up up on it, you know, and John did say that, you know, they, they have changed a little bit just in general just because of the NIL, NIL and, and all that. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's probably something that I would kind of frown on if you're not going to – here's the other thing about the combine. You know, you're doing all the things you're doing at, at the pro day – but you're in a different place. You are competing with other guys. Uh, I want to see how a guy competes. I want to see if uh, this guy runs a you know a four five. I'm going to run a, a four four five, and I'm going to I'm going to try to beat him. You do it at your your home you know facility, and you know it's everything is. You get dressed in your own locker room. I, you know, I want to see these guys sort of, you know, come out and compete against each other. And I think that's the that's one thing that. And look. With John, you can tell asking him these questions, there's not any one formula mm. for, you know, you're, you're looking at everybody differently and through a different lens. And so, um, yeah, I, I, to me, I still think that it matters that you go to Indy and you compete against these guys. How competitive are you? You want to win everything. You want to, you're going to put your all into everything. The only thing I would say, though, it does, you know, we talked about earlier, maybe they could possibly sell tickets there. When you when you watch the combine and you watch like the forty, you ever see like when a guy does the false start? Oh yeah. And then he has to jog like ten yards, and then yeah. he comes back, and then he gets down in his stand. It's pretty deliberate. So he, yeah. It takes a. It's kind of boring. You yeah. Know, some some of that. So I, you know that I think it's always cool when they go back and show you know like the big defensive lineman from Georgia who plays for Philly now. Name mm-hmm. escapes me. He had he was like a, a workout hero. Just you know, guy was over three hundred pounds, ran a ridiculous forty, all that. Those are those are great stories. But you know, as far as the excitement and everything, that <laughs> I don't know that they could actually sell out that building. But um, but no, I again just to answer the question in a long winded way. I, I feel like he, I want to see guys compete at every level. They love football. Oh, okay, I'll I'll come to Indy. Okay, I'll go do my my uh, my pro day. But, you know, mostly I want to see how when, you know, it kind of throws you off a little bit when you go, it's not your own locker. And, you know, right. they, they hand you the clothes. They tell you, hey, the, you know, this is what time you have to be down there. You're competing about against other guys that you're going to be drafted against. And I I feel like that's a that's a valuable thing. All right. Coming up, when can we expect to see Julio play in a spring training game? We're going to hear more about that. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Spring training continues for your Seattle Mariners. We'll talk to Brock Hewitt about it coming up later on in the show. But uh, Brock and Salk uh, had a chance to speak with a number of players out there. We'll let you hear what Julio had to say to them in a moment. But uh, Julio is the topic when it was uh, Scott Service speaking with the media pregame yesterday. And he was asked about when Julio uh, will make his spring training debut. Oh, Julio. Julio's good. Uh, Julio hit in the cage yesterday. All good. Um He'll do more today, uh, picking up velocity, hitting a little bit. He may get out on the field if it feels good and he wants to work in a group there. If not, he'll do that tomorrow. He's, he's on pace, too. He'll probably play in the game on Saturday. That's what I'm hoping for. You hear that just relaxed tone in talking about that, Dave? That's what I need when they talk about Matt Brash. I need that tone. Like, ah, yeah. he's. If he wants to pitch this weekend, we'll get him in there, but we'll, we'll see. 
you know, just a, there's a there's an assuredness to that. That obviously it's not a serious thing with Julio. They're just being very cautious. Uh, but I, w- I would love to hear that when they talk about Matt Brash. Yeah, I wish I'd had uh, injuries in my hand. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's much more important to a uh, to a baseball player. Yeah, but swinging the bat becomes tough. Yeah, I can imagine. Injury. Unless you're uh, unless you're Cal Raleigh, then you just suck it up and tough yeah. it out. Then he played like a half the season with that a torn ligament in his thumb. Ligament. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's discouraging about Matt Brash, but yeah, Julio, I don't really worry so much about, and we'll get a, more of a feel for it when we get down there, but. It's, um, you know, it just seems like they're going to be very cautious about this team. And, you know, and I, I think most, most teams are. You don't want to – it's the same thing for the NFL and the preseason. You don't want some guy getting hurt in the, in, in the preseason. And I, I remember that's, that's something that, that, like, Schneider and Pete would always be like, so glad that the preseason's over because you just worry about players getting hurt in a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, there's it would be brutal, and obviously your superstar, the guy you've committed all the money to, your team's built around this kid. So uh, he was on with Brock and Salk, and he talked about he's been dealing with hand soreness. For people who aren't aware of what's been holding him back, his hands, his hand has been sore, and he explains to them what led to that. It's but, actually good. Yeah. yeah, it's actually good. Like it was just like as Scott was saying earlier. Like I just swore a lot. I swore a lot this off season. I've kind of been ramping it up. And I, I used some different knobs here because my other bats were not here yet, like my mm. training bats. And that kind of, like, affected a little bit more, kind of, like, flare up. See but a different knob, as I said, on the bottom? Yeah, on the bottom yeah. because I didn't have my training bats here, the ones that I'm used to swing. Mm. So it just kind of, like, flare up a little mm. bit. But it's nothing, like, that I was worried about to begin with. But when we saw the doctor and everything, like he said, okay, like, no, you're good. It just, you just need to dial back a little bit and, like, just let it recover. But you didn't have your bats? What happened? They should they should have boxes of his bats yeah. there. They should have had them all set up and polished and sitting at his locker. He could go through each one of them and determine which ones he wants to use and which ones will be just for, you know, for fun. They, those guys, I remember watching uh, Edgar Martinez in the clubhouse, and he would, like, weigh his bats, and he'd... Be rolling them just he had to, a whole ritual, right? Yeah, and I think I don't. I just happen to see him, but I don't think he's unique. I think there's a lot of guys that are very particular about the the weight of the bat and the way it roll. Is it is it uh, to their standard? Does it feel right? And if it's off by any any measure, then it's it's going to be cast aside. Well, and it just seems like that's. I don't know if he has a bunch of bats that he travels with or or whatever, but uh, you would think that that would be pretty important that he would, he would get those there. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, the attachment to those kinds of things. Remember we talked to Blowers and he was talking about his mitt Mm -hmm. and how it got ripped off. It was down in Oakland. I think it was where, where they were playing and, and he was talking about how it just bothered the hell out of him for a long time until he worked out a new mitt. But yeah, he could become pretty, pretty attached to these yeah, things. Yeah, those are your tools, man. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he talked about uh, just last year, the learning process for him. I mean, I just I would say a lot. I wouldn't go like a lot into detail, but obviously there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened. Like I said the other day, like a lot of people might not see, but obviously I'm the one like kind of like experienced it all. And I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like I learned a lot, even though like I was able to put up a decent season. Even though like I was going through a lot of things, it just it was it was good. It was a good learning experience for me, and like I said too, it just it's gonna it's gonna serve me well for for the rest of my career, and like just to be able to like know how to prepare, know how to do like a lot of the things that maybe like held me down a little bit last year. That I feel like that's that's what's gonna like be able to separate me along the road. 
23 years old. He's got a very mature perspective. Yeah, I think it's new, too. I mean, it's not like he was ever immature. Uh, no, but, it's just amazing. He just turned 23 at yeah. the end of December. I well, mean, it's just amazing how young he is. And you listen to him, and he sounds like he's been in the league for, yeah. you know, seven, eight years at this point. Well, and just that, that phrase, uh, it, it, it's going to serve me well. Yeah. You know, that is such a – that's a pro. And, I mean, you, you know, you, you have a tough year, and really it wasn't that tough of a year, but he had some stretches where – you know, and I can imagine that there's lots of pressure on him, and he didn't really know how to handle it. And now he seems like he he's got that dialed in. So, yeah, I, everything that it's just different hearing from Julio this mm-hmm. year. Every clip that we've heard from him is is just sounds like a guy like you said, guy that's been in the league for a long time, and he really hasn't. So this is uh, I, I love hearing. I like what I'm hearing from him. I haven't really, you know, we haven't really seen him, but um, I, I'm. I'm really excited to see how, what kind of a, a different player he is this year from last year. Well, one more from him. He was asked if he's talked to Ichiro about handling the demands of being that kind of figure, that, that guy that's under the spotlight, the superstar. I definitely talk about a lot of different things with Ichiro, honestly, about that or about baseball or about Japan or about whatever. Like, I feel like we always talk about so many different things. And... That was something that, like, I would always say, like, he always told me, like, the view of people, they can change towards you, but the view of yourself would, can never change. So I feel like that's, why, that's something that allows me to say no and, like, prioritize what I, what I like to do and I, what I like to do the most. I explain this game and, like, be able to do it at the highest level I can. It, it's a, a tremendous resource to have that guy there yeah. talking about Ichiro. I mean, because of what he's been through, what he accomplished, his work ethic, uh, you talk about somebody who loves the game. He's 50 years old. He's out there in full uniform. He's throwing, he's throwing lasers out there in the outfield. He's participating like he's 25 years old. And you know, so hopefully that can. We talked about you know players at the NFL level being different these days. Well, I'm sure that's true for baseball players as well. But to have somebody who's, I guess, technically of the older generation, he's 50. But watching where he's at physically, how much he still loves the game, and, and again, his accomplishments, how is that not an amazing – I'd be just bugging the daylights out of that guy if I were there, just peppering him with questions probably all – he'd, sure he'd he get sick of me. He'd get sick of me. <laughs> well, and it, you know, like you said, great guy to learn from. But we talked about this with Julio. And the, the concern that, that I had was that, like, everybody's going to want a piece of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ichiro can tell him, you know, hey – and I'm sure he made some mistakes on where he spent his time and where he spent his focus and things like that. And Ichiro knows that better than anybody, right? Yep, yep. All right, coming up, a lot of unknowns around this Seahawks offseason. We'll get into that conversation with our guy, Paul Moyer. He's going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.